It's the JT The Brick Show. 39-yard field goal for Carlson set up on the right hash. Good snap, solid hold. Field goal is up, and that is good. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Crowd into it. Wilson lifts the right leg, gets the ball. They bring the blitz off the edge, and they get to him. Nate Hobbs coming around the left side. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Open Adams at the 35. Racing to the 20, 10, touchdown Raiders! And now, here's JT the Brick. Uh, JT with the hour number two of the show. We are from the studio here with Bobby over at Lotus Broadcasting on West Flamingo, not too far from the SG Bar, which is our proud partner, PTs, as they fuel the monologue as we open up hour number two. We just heard back from the great Larry Kruger, longtime Bay Area sports talk host, He's going to join me in a few minutes to preview the Niners at the Raiders this Sunday as we go into a deep dive on the game. I'll be a part of the broadcast this year with Lincoln Kennedy, Eric Allen. On the TV side, it'll be Jason Horowitz, Matt Millen, who comes to town tomorrow, along with Rich Gannon. Uh, They'll be on the TV side. We have some sideline reporting guests that are going to be really good, as in Hall of Famers. And I'm going to navigate and help through uh, TV and the radio and kind of make it a joining hand-in-hand fixture which we're doing a little of experimenting with, and I'm happy they chose me to do it. So listen to the broadcast live on Raider Nation Radio, Compass Media Networks, and it'll be a bit a little bit looser. I'm not there to be Bill King. We're not looking to do that. We're going to have a good time and have a lot of fun on radio. We're going to talk a lot of radio, uh, Raiders. There's a lot of notes that we have on things that are happening with the team. The play-by-play is important, and the plays you'll hear But we want to get into what you really want to hear. What's going on with position battles? I'll have two of the great pro bowlers of their era next to me and Eric Allen and Lincoln Kennedy, and they are ready to go. They have information. They'll be at the practices coming up. Uh, We'll all be there coming up on Friday, Thursday, Friday, the dual practices with the 49ers. Last year it was crazy with the Patriots. Those are hard practices. Devontae Adams shined in those practices. I didn't think Mac Jones looked good when I came out of it. I said, ooh. I didn't think Mac Jones was that good of a player without Josh McDaniels calling his plays. And it was cool to see Bill Belichick in Henderson, Nevada, Bill Belichick with the whistle and shorts on the sideline. So I'm a big fan of these dual practices and these scrimmages because they get more done than the game coming up on Sunday. Larry Kruger, longtime friend, longtime Bay Area sports talk host. He has a tremendous podcast. We'll promote that. And he joins us to look at the Niners side of this Battle of the Bay, Larry. We used to call it the Battle of the Bay. Now it's Santa Clara versus Henderson, Nevada. How about that? Brick, good to talk to you, man. Always great to talk ball with you, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I know the 49ers are as well. Yeah, this is a big time for the 49ers because Bosa will be fine, just like Josh Jacobs. Josh on a franchise tag, Bosa looking for a little bit more money. But where where do you stand, Larry, or how, how, how have you evolved on the importance of the preseason and getting some of the starters in the games? Because I don't know what Kyle wants to do with the starters when the Niners come to Vegas. Brock Purdy's not going to go um, in that game, most likely. He is going to practice uh, tomorrow and Friday. Um, I just really believe that you need – I mean, it's it's different. I've got different thoughts on it. One, I mean, from a player evaluation standpoint, I think you need the games to evaluate the talent mm-hmm. and figure out who, who can play, who can't play, and how all the pieces fit together, and also so your guys can look around the league and see the other talent. And so you know at the cut down who you're interested in. So from an evaluation period uh, p- perspective, I should say, um, 
I think the scouts and the front office guys need it. For the players, I think they really just need two games. That first game, you know, you've seen football for years. That mm-hmm. first game, guys sometimes get hurt. Um, you have to learn how to tackle. You got to learn how to fall. You got to re kind of learn everything. But, you know, just from talking to Kyle Shanahan yesterday, he prefers the joint practices to the preseason mm-hmm. games because him and McDaniels can get together and c- provide a list to each other of what they want to get accomplished. And in the joint practices, you can get everything you want to get done, done. In the preseason, you got to kind of play it the way the game goes, and you may not be able to get things that you want to work on really, really, uh, you know, you can't get that work. So I think Kyle prefers the joint practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. And I think we've seen a lot of coaches in the past, especially what's happening in L.A. with the Rams when they won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Their coaching staff preferred that. I know Dave Ziegler, the GM of the Raiders, loved these practices because you get a lot done. And considering the Niners have a Super Bowl roster on both sides of the ball, does it feel like another Super Bowl window here? Because I struggle with that because of Brock Purdy being a seventh round, or excuse me, a Mr. Irrelevant pick when you look at what, what he's done. But he played well last year, and he's coming off a serious injury. He's healed ahead of time. But I, I think if they with this roster, Larry, if they had a young you can't have another Montana, but if you had a player in the prime of their career, a perennial Pro Bowl quarterback, I think the Niners with this roster can win multiple Super Bowls. You know, it's an, it's an interesting perspective. I, I kind of agree with you. I just kind of think the NFC's down right now. Mm-hmm. All the top quarterbacks are in the AFC. Um, to me, it's the two-team conference in the NFC. I, I don't really believe too much in Dallas or Seattle mm-hmm. Uh, or Detroit. I mean, there's teams that are a year or two away. There's teams that are close. But I think it's Niners-Eagles, Eagles-Niners. I mean, any way you want to slice that. Um, as far as the, the Brock Purdy's concerned, you know, I think we all just have to come to grips with the fact that Brock Purdy is a whole lot better than the scouts thought when, they were com- when he was coming out. Um, look at Iowa State before he got there. Look at what mm-hmm. Iowa State did when he was there. Look at They went 1-8 and eight last year in the Big 12 right. without him. So I just think, I mean, Shanahan called him the real deal yesterday. Um, the ball comes out on time. He can process. He's accurate. It's just a matter of, you know, how much did he lose any real ball speed or arm strength with this elbow injury? It doesn't appear that he has, but I think we need to see more before we can say it definitively. Uh, download the Krug Show. It's fantastic. One of the great podcasts out there, and we'll talk more and more about that. So as I prepare for the broadcast with McCaffrey probably not playing much and Elijah Mitchell, what have the camp battles been at running back? Because we know how good this team is with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, but how are they going to run it this year? What's the depth at the running back position look like? Well, I mean, this is an amazing backfield they have right now. I mean, obviously CMC looks like he's primed for a career year. You're not going to see Elijah Mitchell. He's got an abductor injury, but Shanahan really likes Mitchell quite a bit. But the story of camp have been these three other backs, and really only two of them are being talked about. It's J.P. Mason, year two out of Georgia Tech, 230 pounds, but running incredibly hard. Then there's TDP, Ty Davis-Price from LSU. He has been a man on a mission, as Chris Forster, the 9-0 line coach, has described him. He's 230 pounds. He's running with conviction. Um, he looks fantastic. And then the Niners, as they, as they are known to do, they have hit on an undrafted free agent back. His name's Kalen Laburn. He played at, at Marshall. If you remember last year, Marshall pulled the upset in South Bend over Notre Dame. Laburn was a big part of that. 
This guy had 300 carries last year. He started at Florida State. He was a five-star high school recruit. And he's just a really compact, hard-running uh, runner. Um, and so they got, you know, they, they've got an incredible depth of runners right now. Larry Kruger is our guest. Defensively, I love the linebackers here. I mean, the Raiders got Max Crosby and a couple of good defenders. Marcus Peters just came over. But if the Raiders had the linebackers of the Niners, it'd be a completely different defense here. The defense for this Niner team seems to get better and better every year. Dre Greenlawn and Fred Warner, we know how good they are. But what's the depth look at that position? Who are some of the names I should look forward to on defense for the 49ers coming to Vegas who will actually play? Well, believe it or not, Taco Charlton has played well for the mm-hmm. 49ers in this camp. I mean, he's only got off the plane three days ago, and then all of a sudden he's running with the ones. He's about 260 pounds. He played at Michigan at 270. The Niners are his eighth team. So, I mean, he's been around the block. But in this get-up-the-field, one-gap, penetrate, go-hunt-the-quarterback scheme that Chris Kosarek uh, has up front, Charlton looks to be a natural fit. Uh, the rookie linebackers have been incredible, and the second-year backer, McCre- uh, Marcelino McCrary-Ball, Jalen Graham, D. Winters. In fact, I've made the prediction uh, a couple times on, on the Krug show that the Raiders will wind up with one of these 49er linebackers, and I really believe it because the Raiders' linebackers are just not what, you know, not it's just not a strength. Mm-hmm. And you got guys like Oren Burks, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, um, Curtis Robinson and the guys I've already named. I mean, they're only going to keep five or six backers. They've got Greenlaw and Warner as well. So I, I think, you know, after these teams practice together the next couple of days, um, the GMs are going to get together and the 49ers are going to trade the Raiders one of these linebackers. Mm-hmm. If I, if I, that would be my guess. I, I guess it would, my guess it would be Oren Burks. Uh, but it could be Flanagan Fowles. Wow. Now that is great information. So, the depth, and it's perfect because I've been saying I think Dave Ziegler will look for, as we go from 90 to 53, there's going to be an array of good linebackers all around the league. But you think that if the Raiders see these Niner linebackers up close, a deal could happen sooner than later, why let it get away? Yeah, I really do. Wow. I, really, I think the Raiders are going to be very – you know, these teams I really do believe make get together on a deal just mm-hmm. because the, the Niners do have pieces the Raiders may like. Um, running backs, maybe even the the kid quarterback Lance, um, mm-hmm. but definitely these linebackers. I mean, um, I've looked at the Raider depth chart, and you know, like Spillane, for example, mm-hmm. example would have no shot to run with these Niner linebackers. You got Warner, Greenlaw. I think their third backer is McCrary Ball. I think they want to go with both rookies, Graham and Winters, mm-hmm. and that means that Flanagan Fowles and and Oren Burks, who are excellent players. I mean, these guys both could start from scrimmage. They both could be special teams aces. Flanagan Fowles had two interceptions in the practice just a, a day ago. Oren Burks is is mm-hmm. definitely a starting caliber strong side backer. Um, I think when Ziegler takes a look at these guys, he's going to say, hey, here's a seventh-round pick. Send one of those guys over here. Wrapping it up with Larry Kruger. Great to talk to him again. Hey, Larry, what's the state of Kyle Shanahan with the Niner fans? A very specific question because you know, I remember when Kyle drafted Trey Lance, and I thought the arrogance, and he was very cocky about, look what I found, and no one in the media knew I was doing this, and I pulled off the deal, and you not, you didn't ha- you, you, no one saw it coming, and then we saw how much he gave up for a player who's not playing now. Are the fans just understanding that he is a great play caller and a very good coach and they're happy with him? 
Or is the seat just getting warm because this is a Super Bowl team and they got to win and go deep? You know, NFC championship is fine by me. I wish the Raiders got to an AFC championship. But what's what are the fans thinking about Kyle heading into this year? Well, it's hard to say. I would say the rank-and-file fan is very satisfied with Shanahan mm-hmm. and understands his value within the sport. The hardcore, you know, always unhappy fan is, is like, hey, they haven't won the Super Bowl yet. Um a lot of it's going to be tied, JT, to the quarterback position. If, if Lance winds up not fulfilling his potential, if Purdy winds up being less than what he looked like a year ago and, you know, is more along the lines of a, you know, a, a bottom-tier quarterback or a backup, and they have to go into the free agent market next year for a Kirk Cousins, I think the Heat could get dialed up. But overall, I think fans appreciate Kyle. I mean, you know, the Niners under – Purdy averaged 33 points a game. That would have been the number one scoring offense in all of football mm-hmm. by four points over the Chiefs. So I think there's a lot of people that feel like, wow, Shanahan almost got to the Super Bowl with a third-string quarterback. He's, he's incredible. So I would say, you know, and Jed, the, Jed York, the owner of the franchise, is, loves Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. So they're not on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a small minority of fans that is like, hey, if these quarterbacks don't work out, Shanahan needs to go, but I, he he's not going anywhere. Yeah, I would. Just, he's a very good coach, and there's just John Lynch. This roster is very strong. Hey, Larry, good to talk to you. Tell everybody how they could subscribe and download your podcast. Yeah, it's called the Krug Show on YouTube. We started it in March of 2022. Here we are in August of 2023. We're approaching uh, 22,000 subs. Mm-hmm. Um, I go live on there a lot, um, usually two, three times a day. I put out videos as well. I did cover the 49ers, uh, a lot of Bay Area sports, some Giants, some Warriors as well, but it's predominantly 49er talk and NFL talk. And, um, you know, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It really has been. It's been an incredible endeavor. It's growing like crazy. And, and um, you know, I, I'm really proud of the content we've put out. Definitely. You're great at what you do. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, JT. Take care. You got it. Larry Kruger. A very good, respected voice in the Bay Area over the years, and he's grinded it out. You know, we have Damon Bruce come on. They've done some things together. When it comes to the podcast, there's a lot of guys who are leaving radio, leaving radio and going to podcast form, and they're just trying to put things up on YouTube. It's just content. And if you subscribe, like I asked you to subscribe to Raiders Roundtable, the Raiders podcast, every once in a while you look down at your phone, boom, an alert comes up, and you can hear live content quickly that's the way of the future in radio thanks again to larry kruger all right aiden o'connell just spoke we're going to get to him on the other side i want to hear what this young quarterback says very interesting what larry kruger said that is important news he believes that the raiders will come together with the niners on this trip and make a linebacker decision that's what he said he believes that a couple of the players here uh flanagan fouls and obviously he said Oren Burks are two players. He said, quote, that Robert Spillane wouldn't play on the Niners. And Robert Spillane's an important piece here on the Raiders. So do the 49ers have a linebacker that Dave Ziegler can do a deal with? Larry Kruger says yes. I'm not going to make that prediction. I don't work for the Niners or cover the Niners like Larry. But he's right about the linebacker room. Everyone says the room. The strongest linebacker room in the NFL is the San Francisco 49ers. And if one of those guys want to jump ship and put on the silver and black, more power to you if the price is right. Aiden O'Connell, the young quarterback for the Raiders, he just spoke. We'll have that next.
Uh, I think we do a good job of uh, building camaraderie and, you know, uh, <clears throat> building our, our brotherhood and, and sticking to one, you know what I'm saying, helping each other out with plays and stuff like that. We do a good job of, like, um, keep, keeping each other up and stuff like that. So we, we build. Sam Webb. Sam Webb there, he sounds confident. I'm good when these guys sound confident. They should. They need to play better. Robbie Robertson passed away from the band. Turn this up. This is a massive loss. Yeah, that's a, wow, the movie was incredible, life-changing there. Bobby just brings it up as he's rocking the tunes today as we go out to the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Kevin Bollinger, Fox 5 sports director, kind enough to join us. And, Kevin, everybody excited. Not only is football behind, uh, in front of us, but we have a dual practice. Scrimmages coming up with the Niners. That's always good content, right? Absolutely. Things start getting real now, JT. And, you know, especially with the fact that, that most of these starters and veterans don't play in preseason games anymore. These joint practices are, are where we're going to get our best look at, at how this Raiders team stacks up against ones versus ones on both sides of the ball. And, and uh, it's become important enough that, uh, you know, not only are the Raiders doing uh, a uh, session of joint practices this preseason, but they're going to do two. They're going to do the 49ers this week, and then they'll do the Rams uh, down in Thousand Oaks next week. So uh, I think it's going to be a great opportunity to get a better feel uh, as, as to where this team is, number one. And as we start looking a little closer at some position battles, uh, maybe uh, who, who kind of has the upper hands as we work into some of these preseason games. Kevin Bollinger is our guest. We're going to play Aiden O'Connell, who just spoke. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was out there today. I saw you out there, and as we look at the transition in the preseason at the quarterback position, well, we know that the Raiders have good backup quarterbacks, no doubt about it. I mean, Hoyer, I think, is one of the better experienced backups out there, but how much Aiden O'Connell do you expect to see? Because these three games, I want to know what he can do. I want to see how he moves around in the pocket and how big his arm could be. No question. I think we'll see a lot of Aiden O'Connell. I think it's going to be Aiden O'Connell and, and Garbers probably mostly on Sunday. Uh, and and uh, give him a, a chance to, to see where he's at. He just got done speaking with the media just moments ago. And, and you know, it seems like, uh, you know, he's really excited uh, to see things ramp up uh, to, to get another level. Uh, but w- one of the takeaways from what he said today that, that was interesting was he was asked about, the number four, because he wore number 16 at Purdue, and he said that that was the number that was given to him by the team. So uh, interesting uh, mm-hmm. uh, for him to, to, to say that as we move forward, and, and I expect him, though, to get the, the majority of the snaps on Sunday. Kevin Bollinger, Fox 5, kind enough to join us. So I'm excited about Jacorian Bennett because it, from what I've seen in practice, and you've seen more than I have, if, if he can start – or he's out on the field often with his ball skills and ability to jump routes and make up if he gets beat with his speed because he's going to get beat. He's a rookie, and there's going to be safety help over the top when he's out there. But is he one of the names that has jumped out to you so far at camp? He has been somebody who's definitely stood out. I mean, uh, again, they haven't really gone into you know competition like we're going to start seeing tomorrow with the 49ers, but he's one that I really want to keep an eye on over the next couple of weeks because – he has stood out uh, with his speed, but with his instincts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, there have been a lot of days 
where the defense has been better than the offense for the Raiders so far in this training camp, and he's a big reason why. And, and I just think that, you know, for, for the Raiders going forward with so many uh, question marks in that defensive backfield, if you're going to get somebody who can come in and, and take some significant snaps that are, and somebody that you can feel comfortable with, that's going to be huge for this team going forward. Kevin Bollinger, Fox 5, the sports director. Kevin, the other battle is going to be what happens at right tackle with Thayer Mumford Jr. or Illuminor. Jermaine Illuminor, to me, is a guy because he just has more experience. He's had more snaps, but Mumford's bigger, and it's tougher to get around a guy that big if his footwork is correct. And we just see a little portion of the practice, a little bit, and we can't tell exactly what's happening there. But I think these preseason games are very important here because the protection of Jimmy Garoppolo is probably the biggest priority for this franchise going forward and getting Josh Jacobs back. Who do you like over Mumford and Illuminor to get that spot? You know, Illuminor's versatility is right up in line with what the Raiders love, Uh, especially, you know, uh, with Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, they want these guys that can, can kind of maneuver around. Their Mumford's kind of a, a tackle. I mean, mm-hmm. and Illuminor somebody who almost is a plug-and-play type guy throughout the offensive line. He's shown the, uh, that versatility. So I'll be interested to see who, who wins this battle, but if their Mumford beats out Illuminor, it doesn't mean Illuminor is not going to get a lot of snaps because uh, he, he has the ability to, to, to move around a little bit, but uh, it's going to be a, a great battle and really, again, one that we're going to see ramp up, even if the 49ers don't have Bosa in camp right now, uh, but to get a chance to, to see him line up over the next couple of weeks against competition, both of them uh, to kind of uh, show what they have. But to me, that's that's an important, maybe uh, under-the-radar under battle for this team over the next three weeks of the preseason. Uh, Kevin Bollinger, as we wrap it up, you know, you got a big job. you get got a lot of exclusives with the quarterback, and the stars of the team and the coaches, part of the Fox 5 agreement with the Raiders. How are you handling the Josh Jacobs story? I'm pretty calm and cool. I think he's going to probably 100% play on the franchise tag. He doesn't have much of a choice, but I don't know when he's going to come in. Does he want to come in earlier than expected or wait till the very last second? How big of a storyline is this for you in the newsroom? Well, I mean, we're, we're definitely monitoring. I, I'm on uh, kind of the same lines as you. I expect to see him maybe around the, the 1st of September when they – you know, come back uh, from from Labor Day weekend mm-hmm. and, and go into their their game week ahead of that first game in Denver. Uh, I think that that he's in good shape. He's talked about the fact that that he stayed in really good shape this off season. So you know, I, I think there's a comfort level that he'll be there because you're not going to turn down ten million dollars, especially as a running back in the NFL right now. Uh, so I, I anticipate him being ready to go and in terms of how we handle it as we go along through the preseason i mean uh in our our raiders pregame live special that's going to air uh, in the half hour leading up to uh the preseason game on sunday uh, here in southern nevada uh we're going to talk uh, in general about the running back situation in the uh nfl right now obviously with a little bit of a focus on josh jacobs but uh, I, I anticipate that he's going to be uh, lined up and ready to go when the season gets going. And Kevin, as we wrap it up, it's interesting we have such a big break. There's such a big break between the preseason game and the Sunday night home opener in week three. Isn't it bizarre considering what we both do in town and we got to provide content every day? The Raiders after this game on Sunday are not going to be back in Las Vegas other than their practices, of course, at the Performance Center. They're not going to be here playing football live in front of fans for quite some time. 
It's crazy. Week three against the Steelers will be the next time the Raiders have a home game. Uh, and, you know, it, uh, they're going to have to be road warriors. And, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the schedule makers did not do the Raiders any favors uh, with the way things were, were set up with this schedule. Uh, very top-heavy with road games and then on the back end as well around the holidays. So uh, for the Raiders to get the momentum that week one at Denver, we've talked about it. Uh, at practices, JT, so critical that week week one game in Denver. They've played the Broncos so well. They've dominated them over the last several years. They've got to come out and get that big road win to set the tone for the season. And uh, if they can do that uh, with three of the first four on the road, uh, when you only have eight road games compared to nine home, if you can come out of that, uh, you know, in pretty good shape, and it could set the, the Raiders up to surprise some people. There. All right, Kevin, well, you're big Dan in charge, and you're always on camera. What do you got planned coming up here? Tell us a little bit behind the scenes of Fox 5's coverage of the Raiders. Well, we're uh, obviously going full bore on these joint practices over the next couple of days, and then uh, all eyes on the preseason. We've got all three preseason games on our station. Uh, that includes uh, pregame shows with some special features uh, that we're doing. So on Sunday... Uh, I'm sitting down to go one-on-one with Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll have the story about Jacobs and the NFL running backs. Mm-hmm. We'll have uh, Paloma Villacana out in the tailgate at Allegiant Stadium uh, with everybody partying that uh, football is back. So uh, she'll be out there with Raider Nation for the barbecue beforehand. I'll see you at the practices in this weekend. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thanks, JT. Kevin Bollinger, fa- fantastic job. One of our insiders that we slot every two weeks to come on the show, and we ask them nicely if they will, and they always do. So Vic Tafer and Paul Gutierrez and Kevin and Vince Sapienza, who we'll be doing more with, Levi Edwards, Bill Williamson. Always like to add someone new every year. When we get an opportunity to do that, we'll figure out what we're going to do there. Harry Ruiz, we added a couple of years ago, which is great. So Aiden O'Connell just spoke. The quarterback, who will be a backup, but how far down? The list of being a backup, he just spoke at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Aiden, when I covered you in the Big Ten, clearly a different offense than this. How's the adjustment coming for you? Yeah, it's been um, fun. It's been challenging. It's um, a lot of new things at the line of scrimmage that I wasn't used to doing in college, and so it's a lot more responsibility, but um, I think you're able to see the game in a new perspective, and th- that responsibility is, is pretty cool, and you know, you're able to do um, different things with um, – you know, knowing what everything means and um, the intricacies of everything is pretty cool. So it's been definitely been a learning curve, but been something that's been pretty fun. It's just been a you know a couple months of an offseason program and a couple of weeks of training camp. But I'm sure people will talk to you about how the game is different at the NFL level compared to college, not just in talent, but in the way things are scheme wise. What's been the biggest um, adjustment, would you say, or the biggest change, would you say, from college? To the yeah, I think. Um, you know, it's just everyone's talented. Everyone's the 1% of the 1%. And so um, when you look around the huddle and you look, you know, across the ball, those guys were um, the best at, at their universities as well. And so um, it's just an increased, uh, definitely intensity at practice and then just level of talent around the board. When you walk into a huddle and see Devontae Adams and Colton Miller and you know, players like that, um, what do you have to do from your mind, from a mind perspective to say, okay, I'm, I'm here with them and I have to act like I've been here before? Not, you know, trying to push it too far like that, but but the fact that you belong and have to be the leader of this of this team with some veterans like that. Yeah, I think it, it comes with preparation. You know, you have to prepare and um, when you get in the huddle, have confidence that you know what you're going to do and you know what everybody else's job is. And so um, it, it takes preparation to, to 
have confidence, and so I try to prepare as, as best I can and um, work as hard as I can, just keep my head down and, and do what I got to do. And you were a walk-on at Purdue and worked your way up to be a starter. Has that experience kind of prepared you a little bit for walking into this room with some veterans that you have to kind of compete against? I think so. I think, you know, the experience was valuable. I, I started pretty low on the totem pole at Purdue and um, through just different circumstances was able to, you know, um, rise up the depth chart. And um, so I, I think it, that's definitely helpful. Uh, I think it's definitely a new experience now. And um, there's things you can bring over from college, but at the same time, it, it's a completely new experience. And so um, as much as I can, I rely on what I've been through. But um, at the same time, you know, you got to look forward and, and continue to press forward. We've been a couple weeks at training camp, but do you feel like you've, you've already made progress for, from where you came in a couple weeks ago? And in, in what ways do you feel that way? So. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd hope so. You know, you, you try to get 1% better every day and just put pennies in the jar. And, um, you know, a lot of times that comes from making mistakes. And so there's mistakes that, that I've made um, early in camp that I've tried to learn from um, and try not to make the same mistake, mistake twice. And um, I know I have a lot more, lot, uh, more to learn, a long way to go. And so... Um, as much as you want to reflect on how far you've come, you kind of just got to, like I said, keep your head down and keep working. What kind of guidance have Jimmy and Brian given you? Um, awesome. I mean, 25 years in the league between them, and, you know, they've, they've seen a lot of football, played a lot of football, and so they've been super supportive, um, have challenged me, have, you know, um, just let me into their mind, really, and, and to know what they're thinking and um, what their thought process is on each play. Again, they've both been in the system before and um, have had success. So it's been awesome having those guys in the room to learn from them. And even if they're not saying anything to me, just, you know, taking mental reps and listening to what they say and watching what they do. It was alluded to earlier about being in a huddle with Devontae and the others, but also you're competing against Max Crosby and Chandler Jones every day. What is that like? Certainly that two of the best in the NFL get you up to speed on NFL speed, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Like you, you learn you can't hold the ball for, for very long. It's, it's different than it was in college. And so um, like I said before, on our side of the ball and on the other side of the ball, there's great players that, you know, are some of the best in the world. So um, it, it makes you raise your game. Um, obviously, there's pros and cons, but what's the single most important thing you learned transitioning from college to the NFL? That's a good question. Um, I think just be myself. You know, I had a lot of great advice from people that um, have been in my shoes before and, um, you know, try not to put too much pressure on myself. Just be myself. Enjoy the process. At the end of the day, it's, you know, it's just football. And so... Um, I'm going to work as hard as I can, um, you know, try not to leave any stone unturned, but at the same time, enjoy it, um, have fun playing the game. Speaking about enjoying uh, going into the joint practice with the 49ers in your first preseason game, stepping on the NFL field, what excites you the most about going into this week? I think it's just another opportunity, um, you know, for our team to, you know, work hard and um, play against somebody different. But, you know, I think for us, it, it really remains the same. we got to um, know our assignment, do our job, and um, work hard to do that. Playing over at Allegiant in the East-West Shrine game, yep. uh, did it ever dawn on you that this might be where you ended up playing, and how cool is it going to be to take the field as a Raider uh, on Sunday? Yeah, you know, I, I thought about it and definitely hoped. You know, it's obviously an amazing stadium, and um, it's going to be a great experience. Um, but like I said, I'm trying to stay within myself, um, do my job, and uh, just just try to execute. Pretty common phrase you hear a lot with rookies is saying their head is swimming when they first come in. Uh, I imagine there's some of that happening. But is there anything that you that you do specifically or advice you were given to try to mitigate that some? You know, I think just rolling with the punches, um, understanding that, you know, I'm not I'm not the first rookie to, to ever walk in here, not the first rookie quarterback. And so there's there's challenges that come with it. Nobody's perfect, even the guys that have been doing it for a while. And so um, 
as I keep alluding to, just trying to work as hard as possible to limit mistakes, um, to make sure I know what I'm doing on every play and what everybody else's responsibility is. I think you just got to prepare to give yourself the best chance possible. And when mistakes come, you learn from them um, and try to move on. You like living here so far? It's been great. It's been great. A little warm, uh, especially that stretch in July was a little tough. Um, but it's, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of sun, which I enjoy. And you wore 16 in college, and then wearing number four raised a few eyebrows for fans of the Raiders. What was what went into your mindset to pick a number four? Yeah, it was number that was given to me. Um, you know, I, I really don't care what number I play with. I'll play with any number, so um, I, I don't worry about too much about that. Four times four is 16. No, nothing like that. <laughs> I, I'm not that good at math. <laughs> what, what do you hope to get out of the next couple of days? Um. You know, just um, obviously a new experience. So um, getting to see the first NFL training camp, you know, playing against another team, I think um, just trying to soak it all in, um, trying to enjoy it, and um, trying to challenge myself to, you know, like I said, take mental reps. If I get reps out there, to take um, reps and succeed. And um, I, as I keep saying, learn from mistakes. And so just, just try to grow as a player. A little off topic, so sorry if this catches you off guard, but um, you guys have had some high school football teams come and watch you practice at training camp. Um, you're still a pretty young guy. You're not that far removed from those days. Could, could you have seen back then you, would you be inspired by something like that? And uh, is it important to you to be involved in you know, the community and that sort of way? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I, you know, dreamed of playing NFL football for a long time, especially in high school. High school was really when I fell in love with football. Um, you know, the, the lights on Friday, watching my older brothers play was huge for me. And so, um, I know if I had that opportunity in high school, it'd be pretty cool. And so it's it's awesome that those high schools have been able to do that. And um, yeah, I love being in the community, um, helping those kids, encouraging those kids. And you know, I, I know especially for me, I, it was a long shot for me to make it here. And so I, it would it would mean the world to me to you know encourage another kid to you know shoot for the stars. Have you had that moment in the locker room though, when you look at I was a walk on at Purdue, and now I'm sitting in an NFL locker room? I mean, has it hit you yet that I, I reached it? I think you have to have a proper balance of reflection and also um, understanding I'm trying to play more football. You know, it's I, I don't want that to be, um, you know, my story is just getting here. I want to hopefully work as hard as I can to stay. And so um, I definitely want to be reflective and be grateful for where I've come from. But at the same time, you know, I, I think after my career is over, we can sit down and, you know, think more about that. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Wow, that last answer was really good. The answer was fantastic about, well, let's reflect on this later on. He's just not happy to be there. That's Aiden O'Connell. I'm happy we played that all. Hopefully we don't hear a lot from him in the regular season because Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy, right? I, I can say that. Aiden O'Connell is a backup quarterback for a while. I don't want to see him play early in the season because Jimmy Garoppolo is the starter. I think we all agree on that. How about being qualified to win four tickets to an Aviators game? A shot at winning this week's grand prize trip. Uh, how about this one? Five days jazzing it up in New Orleans, including a show on a riverboat, swamp tour, airboat, and $1,000 spending money. Or just take the 3000 cash, take the trip, or take the cash. Thanks to Gettle Air Conditioning and Plumbing. Gettle will keep you cool, but it's hard to spell. Be the ninth caller. You know, ninth caller coming in. And on the other side, Roxy Bernstein will join us. I usually introduce him from the Pac-12. Well, I'm going to introduce him from ESPN. He's a broadcaster on every platform, calls A's games, baseball games nationally. We'll get Roxy up here to talk about the demise of the Pac-12. Only four teams left in the Pac-12. Four. 
teams left in the Pac-12. Man, did they screw that up. JT, as we continue on, appreciate all of our partners, the Castaverde Law Group, the best in town. Made it look easy. Good athletes can do that, Devo. You yeah. did. I, I think that's one of the best defensive plays in the game of baseball. Like going over the wall and going over making the wall, a pitcher happy? Man. Yes. <laughs> but, hey, y'all has got to make you guys happy. Mateo tried to hold his swing, and he did, according to Edwin Moscoso. So you hear that sound bite from the Orioles game in the background? Free Kevin Brown, the broadcaster who was suspended for doing nothing wrong, just talking about the Orioles' struggles that they've had with the Tampa Bay Rays dating back five or six years and a groundswell of support and embarrassing the Baltimore Orioles organization and John Angelos, the owner. Uh, let me get to that quickly with Roxy Bernstein, one of my favorite broadcasters at every level. He does an unbelievable job. Longtime friend. Roxy, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. And I want to begin with that soundbite. I'm sure you want to come to the defense of Kevin Brown. How did this news affect you? It was, it was upsetting. It, it was troubling to me, JT. Look, I've known Kevin for a long time. He's you know, one of my colleagues at ESPN. I think the world of him personally and professionally, I think he's a tremendous talent. And it's a shame that the Orioles would try to muzzle him and suspend him for stating facts. And he was just trying to highlight how well the Orioles are doing this season as opposed to in the improvement that they made from what's happened the last few years. And to have thin skin like that and to take exception to what he says is really terrible for our business. I mean, it's not the first time the Orioles have done something like this. You go back years ago when they ran out John Miller from Baltimore because they felt he was too critical with some of the stuff that he said. Um, hopefully Kevin's back soon. I have all accounts and reports are he's going to be back maybe at the end of the week. But this is absolutely asinine on the part of the Orioles to, to suspend him for stating facts, trying to put this team's season in a positive light. Look, I, I've worked for major league teams, as you know, and I've never been censored or muzzled like this. So I feel for Kevin and what he's going through right now. Roxy Bernstein joins us, and that's why I wanted to have you on today for clarity, for working on the local side, but you have a really big national schedule. Does that ever cross your mind as a broadcaster before you start a game when you're national? You, know, you could talk about the record against the team in a ballpark. When you're local, you can mention it too, but there's only so far you can go as a local broadcaster knowing that the president of the team Obviously, the ownership group could be listening, and you don't want to put themselves or yourself as a broadcaster in harm's way. Where do you set the cliff or the bob wire? Because I know you never go there, and you never get to that point there, but it's happened here, and it puts everything in perspective locally. And there was a certain level of professionalism you need to have, especially living here in the Bay Area like I do and having worked for the Oakland A's, um, even worked for the Marlins and and. There is a professionalism you have to carry, and there's also a level of respect that you have to give the audience. They don't want a blatant homer. They don't want everything to be just handed to them like everything is great all the time. You have to tell the truth. You have to tell the story, or your credibility is shot. And even on a local level, but on a national level, look, we're catering essentially to both sides 
of the field, right? We're, we're catering the fans of both teams in addition to the national fan base and make it conversational. So for everybody and not just team specific. And there's two different ways to present the broadcast. But from the local angle, if you don't state the facts, you don't tell the fans what's going on, they're not going to respect you or your credibility is going to be shot. And I think that is something also that I've kept in mind that I have to have the confidence in the fans. They believe in me that the story I'm telling and they want to hear what I'm saying. And in this case, look, Kevin Brown did absolutely nothing wrong. And I would do the same thing if I was in his shoes and, you know, hopefully the Orioles don't try to reach out to you, JT, and get me suspended too. <laughs> Roxy Bernstein joins us. Great broadcaster for ESPN, ESPN Radio, and also here on your Twitter bio, the Pac-12 Network. And I've been thinking a lot about you. I'm working a game with Lincoln Kennedy on Sunday, and I have Lincoln on and you on often on my platforms because I get a chance to know about what's happening in the Pac-12, what's happening out west. And this is very concerning because of how great the – the teams and the programs have been in that conference uh, dating back uh, almost 100 years or as far back as we can go here, Roxy. How has this affected you personally as you're embedded in Cal and you go to a lot of games at Stanford and throughout the Pac-12, knowing that this has happened so quickly and how the conference is dissolving? More than anything, JT, it's just sad. That's the way I feel about it, to be honest with you. Am I angry? Yeah. Um, I disappointed in, in some of the leadership, absolutely I am. But I'm sad more than anything else because you have a league of over 100 years of tradition and some, some of the greatest athletes we've ever seen in any sport have come from the Pac-12. You want to go Jackie Robinson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Walton. We can go on and on. John Elway, Aaron Rodgers. You can keep rattling them off. I mean, John McEnroe, Jimmy Connors, all these people came from Tiger Woods from the Pac-12. And now this league is a, a teetering on floating off into the Pacific. It's just sad. And that's the way I look at it. And it's a shame it came to this point. And it's all, unfortunately, because of money and the television contracts and the way this thing went down. The Pac-12, they had a lot of missteps along the way, JT, and they're not blameless in this. But at the end of the day, I just keep coming back to it. I'm just, I, I feel for so many people at the conference, but especially the schools that right now are left behind, Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, Washington State, and I hope they can find a landing spot. But at the end of the day, it's just extremely sad and disappointing that it had to come to this. Roxy Bernstein joins us, and Stanford I think will be fine, possibly as an independent. Cal's one of the best schools in America academically, but you mentioned Oregon State and Washington State, and I'm all about loyalty, and so are you. And it feels like when a team leaves, I understand SC – and UCLA saw this ahead of time, so they take off to the Big Ten. Oklahoma and Texas saw it with the SEC. But to leave schools behind, where you've had great rivalries and there have been great players, and yes, Oregon State and Washington State, they aren't as powerful recently as Oregon or USC or even UCLA, but certain years they are. And I just feel like there's no loyalty at all. And some of the schools that are left to hold this at the end 
It's going to be very embarrassing. Who cares about the chancellor and the president? How do these student athletes react, Rox? You know, a lot of these kids, and they get recruited out of the Bay Area, and you've read about them and talked about them. Now, all of a sudden, they commit to Oregon State. They commit to Washington State, and they're sitting here saying, no one wants us in our own conference. What could we do in this era of the transfer portal and just to get out of this mess? I think, look, it's going to be the same for this year. The Pac-12, this is going to be the final season. In a lot of ways, I look at it as like a TV show that you know before the year uh, starts and the season starts that this is going to be the final season. And I think that's the way a lot of people are looking at it. I know, for example, broadcasting Pac-12 games, that's the way I'm looking at it. But for these kids, that's who I feel for. And it's not just the football players, JT. I mean, it's it's student athletes, whether it's softball, whether it's volleyball, soccer, because they're the ones going forward that are going to be more affected than anybody, I think. And you're seeing some of the softball players from Oregon and Arizona State have spoken up that this is not what we signed up for. Um, but at the end of the day, let's face it, it's not college athletics. It's college football and other sports. And it's hypocritical for anybody to call them student-athletes anymore because they're not. And when you have a league of UCLA and USC in the same conference as schools like Rutgers and Penn State, explain to me, how that makes sense. Or West Virginia and Central Florida in the same league as Arizona and BYU. It just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And more than anything else, JT, it's just dumb. When you look at the maps and how these conferences play out, this is supposed to be college athletics. And all the class time that's going to be missed, uh, the mental toll and physical toll it's going to take on these kids and all the travel, it's absurd what's happening in college athletics. Yeah, Roxy, you summed that up beautifully. Uh, last one on this, because the travel with the smaller sports is everything, and you nailed that perfectly. You're a tennis player, a golfer, volleyball, and you got to travel across the country commercially to go compete. And what about your parents? What about the parents of those student-athletes that want to see their kids compete, and they have a retirement budget, and they want to go see their daughter or son in a couple of games, and they were planning on driving to those games? And now they can't go. Uh, Last one, is this going to have a negative effect overall on college football? Because the SEC got stronger with Oklahoma and Texas, and the Big Ten got stronger with SC and UCLA. And those conferences, are are fans just going to be so pissed off and go, you know, they get upset at the NBA with load management. They get upset with baseball because of whatever topic, putting a runner on second base. Do you think that there's going to be a backlash to college football because it looks like greed, and it's so ridiculous how they're dealing with this realignment. I, I think there's definitely the potential for that, unfortunately, JT, that there are going to turn off people and upset a lot of people. But at the end of the day, I think we're headed toward the college football system breaking away from the NCAA, and it's going to be its own entity. Because, you know, a lot like the NFL is set up with an AFC and an NFC, you're going to have a television contract. Because that's what it appears we're headed to, right? The SEC and the Big Ten, at the end of the day, could be the last two standing. These mega super conferences could turn it into something like the NFL. Like, okay, the Big Ten is the NFC and the SEC is the AFC. Because under this system, the way I look at things and the way they're going to play out, I don't know how this model exists in terms of what it means, and not just football is one thing, but it's the other sports that we talked about. It's even basketball. There the UCLA players, uh, whether it's the women's or the men's side, going to want to make eight or nine trips back to the Midwest a year. And you mentioned the parents and what they're going through. They only have so many vacation days. 
And if they want to go watch their kids play, and if UCLA is happening to play at Rutgers, how much time off are they going to have to take? And it's not necessarily easy to get from L.A. to Happy Valley or to Iowa City. But unfortunately, that now is the reality moving forward for the Big Ten, for the Big 12. And it's just a shame for the, the landscape of college athletics that you have the Pac-12 dissolving right in front of our eyes. Roxy, lastly, what's your next game? What's uh, your next assignment? I'm heading to New York this weekend. I got the Mets and the Braves Sunday night baseball on ESPN Radio. So I'm anxious to see uh, the Braves again because, JT, to me, they might be the team to beat as far as the World Series goes. Great talking to you, my friend. I'll see you soon. Thank you. You got it. Anytime, JT. Take care. Thanks, Rox. Roxy Bernstein, what a broadcaster he is. Hey, I want to thank Rays and Canes, man. Big cheer for the new school year. Host your next fundraiser at Rays and Canes, man. They do an unbelievable job. Visit canesandcommunity.com to learn more. Rays and Canes Chicken Fingers, proud partner of our show. Back to school in the Fried Chicken Fest. Count me in. Q's on deck with a great show. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Practice against the Niners.